that if you don't like ACDC, you don't like fun. No, it's true. Seriously, if you if you don't like ACDC, I don't even I don't know what to do with you. Like, you know, like what are you doing? <laughs> Look like at your you, life. Look at yeah. your choices. Your choices. You, you don't have to love them. They don't have to be your favorite band, but you have to be able to feel them when they play because they are huh? just fun. And if you don't, you're a stupid bitch. Yep. <laughs> welcome to that episode was we are popsicle today we are going to talk about stranger things season four chapter seven the massacre at hawkins lab Stranger Things follows an unlikely group of heroes, some kids, some not, as they continue to face off against creatures from the upside down in Hawkins, but now also California, Utah, Nevada, and Kamchatka, Russia. Created by the Duffer Brothers. (laughs) This seventh chapter is written and directed by Matt and Ross Duffer. Can I just say I loved Kelly Sue's disappointed look when I was just about to reference the look of utter disappointment (laughs) on Kelly Sue's face. What happened to Russia, Russia? (laughs) I mean, what Kelly Sue, you are not the first, nor you will be the last woman that I disappoint today. (laughs) (laughs) Proud to be on such an (laughs) election. Before we continue, final warnings. We're going to spoil shit. So if you have not watched, maybe you should not listen. And if you have not watched, why not? Go watch the show because season four of Stranger Things has been all of that. Now, before we continue, let me introduce the band. First, on drums holding it down, letting us all know what's up. It's Claire Thorne, although none of you will remember her name because no one remembers the drummer. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) From that band that I saw that one time. (laughs) We have our amazing lead guitarist, Lisa K. Weber. Ah, There it is. I was waiting for that. There it is. Guitar solo. Yeah. We have the spine of the band, the uh, the remainder of the rhythm section. It's our producer. It's our bassist. It's Philip Kelly. No, I, I, I was always the drummer on rock band. I would always get that that role of hit, hitting the. No, I know. You have to fight I know. No, I won't. I I relinquish. Now, no band uh, is going to really do it without the face, the lead singer, the voice. It's Kelly Sue Milano. I was the lead singer of an all-girl rock band in the early 2000s. This does not surprise Tracks. us in any way. And I am Justin Peniston. I am the founder and leader of the fan club. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone. So 
for you guys, it's only been a week. For us, it's been a while since last week, or it's been half a week, actually. For us, it's been a while since we actually recorded. Um, Now, we talked before in earlier episodes about how this season and this show are all about overcoming trauma and dealing with trauma and playing out trauma. Hmm. Um, I would further posit that this episode specifically digs a little more into the trauma of shame. Uh, Eleven is ashamed of something that it turns out she didn't even do. Uh, Eddie's bravery uh, is a result of his shame over running from the events of the season. And Hopper is overcoming his shame over his past mistakes because the luxury of that shame is something that he can no longer afford if uh, he is to help Joyce at Eleven. So let's talk about shame and how it informs these characters. And Or maybe I'm just pulling this out of my ass. Panel, what do you think? If we go with the ladder, Justin, how, how like a part of trauma, <laughs> I don't know if I can agree. Um, I, I totally can you give do. me an example of what you mean by shame. I'm not really familiar with that experience personally. And I just don't really want to talk about something I don't know about. Yeah. It's, I just don't feel like it's something women experience in terms of like, uh-uh. any of the traumas that might be visited on women uh-uh. in particular. Um, no. So nope. Yeah. Um, all of that is to say, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, shame and trauma, I think, go hand in hand. Um, and I totally see that throughout the show and throughout um, this episode, for sure. Um, let me go back to what the question is. How it informs the characters. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally just like, shame. <laughs> well like the thing that really struck to me to go on a little journey <laughs> inside my body it caught me off guard Shame. yeah i think and maybe it's more than just this episode because i think 11's whole arc so far has been about shame yeah um her inability to access her powers at least as far as this season is concerned has been because she's ashamed of something and she didn't even remember it necessarily at the beginning of the show, but she, she is starting to see herself less the superhero, more the monster. Mm -hmm. Um, And what she's experiencing is more than just guilt. She is ashamed uh, because if nothing else, because so prominently featured in her flashbacks is Brenner saying, what have you done? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's not just, there's more, to it that's not just guilt that's shaming that is a shaming question what have you done um well and we talked like earlier in the like i mean back to the first episode where she's getting horribly bullied and like or earlier in the season when she's getting horribly bullied and it's like she's not she's not really standing up for herself because there's a part of her that feels like she deserves it Mm -hmm. um and so, yeah, this is kind of like the culminating moment of all of that. And it's like, the thing about trauma is the only way out is through. Through. So Go ahead, that's Trent what Reznor. everybody's having to do. <laughs> well, and something I've spoken about with in my own personal therapy sessions over, you know, childhood traumas, et cetera. Um, Shame is one of those things that steps in to protect you from 
the direct effects of the trauma as well. It's not a healthy, you know, uh, uplifting protection, but it's, it's much safer to engage with thoughts of feeling guilty and shamed about something that you had no control over and with, you know, and then thinking about Max in that regard, it's, you know, it's, it's a way for her to deal with something that's a bit more manageable than just the horror of a monster killing her brother in front of her. Um, that that's just terrifying. And I think all of the characters in the show would rather deal, would rather deal on a daily basis with, you know, these issues of guilt. And, um, I'm not sure you can point to anybody um, in the show who doesn't, you know, feel that to some regard, but it's just, it's easier to engage with that than the thought of me, you know, heading back to the upside down or, you know, it, that takes an extra level of something that they're just not prepared for. Well, yeah. And I mean, like, like it being this, like, I mean, this is the the great thing about this story. I mean, stories in general, but this one in particular, where it's like, oh, I recognize, I recognize this feeling, even though it's like, I, I recognize it from my mundane life and it's gratifying to watch these, um, like, you know, to watch these avatars essentially go through like you know like these like actual monsters Uh and actual demons Uh um and kind of like sorting their shit out and finding their power and like and yeah so I mean I love the I love all of this like I love all of like what Eleven went through to get her power back what Eddie is going through in kind of like showing up right now yeah Um, and yeah Hopper being like okay time to pity party's over time to kill a demogorgon NBD (laughs) (laughs) luckily I've got experience (laughs) yeah well, um, I, I, thinking- I love everything that you said, Lise, about it being the pathway to them taking their power back. Mm-hmm. Um, as you were sharing that, I was thinking about Eleven and I was thinking about like, um, I mean, I obviously am not going to make a broad stroke. I'm going to speak personally about this experience that I had with Eleven where I'm like, 11 to me kind of like represents this, the sort of shame and control that does befall uh, women because of just a woman's innate power um, and her innate gifts and, um, you know, just the, the energy of the feminine <clears throat> and how um, shame was so much of a tactic that Brenner uses because when someone shames you, they're separating you from who you are 
all of a sudden, like your natural self becomes the bad guy and you are put in a position to be like, oh, well, my natural self is wrong and bad. And so what someone else is saying is probably better than what my natural instinct is, right? Um, And it was the first time that I had kind of understood that about shame Mm -hmm. and how like, and like Claire had mentioned it, like, yes, it kind of gives us this illusion that we have control over the wild and crazy chaotic things that happen to us, but it also opens us up to being controlled. Um, and I can kind of see that in a lot of these characters. I mean, with 11, it's so straightforward, but even, you know, with her experience with the popular crowd, like you're going to feel shame so that these people get to feel important and they're going to control that narrative or whatever. So, um, I loved the way that it was unfolding throughout the season and the way that a lot of that really culminates in this episode. Yeah. You know, like what you're saying about like, um, you know, her feelings about taking ownership of her own powers. Yes. They are her powers. Yes. And I'm sure Brenner's over there like, well, I gave them to you. Exactly. Um, Well, you're. But they're not his. Yeah. They're hers. And it's like this kind of idea of like shame around, like you were saying, her innate power. Um, not just the kind of, you know, telekinetic power, but her power in herself Mm -hmm. to like, to be able to process trauma, to be able to come back. And I know that we're going to talk about the reveal, Mm -hmm. but in that moment where she's having like, like, I can't help in the climate thinking about the male versus female kind of or masculine oh, yeah. versus feminine kind of energy that's happening totally. in this entire flashback sequence where um you know uh the orderly slash one slash vecna is like telling her oh you need to like tap into your anger to access your power and it's like no i don't motherfucker <laughs> And she comes to her own source of power, which is love. And that is like, that is so important in that moment where Uh she defeats him Uh that, um, yeah, it's not to be understated what she discovers about herself in that moment and how she is able to harness her own powers and really take control of them and utilize them. How she's able to express herself herself yes <laughs> yes 100 <laughs> percent. yeah mm-hmm. it's it's funny <laughs> and maybe less profound but i think both hopper and eddie as our exemplars of, of shame mm. are really both giving this really masculine version of shame mm-hmm. like i have certainly in myself done quote unquote brave things because I was terrified of looking like a pussy, mm-hmm. which is basically what Eddie does. Mm-hmm. He's like, I cannot look weaker than these women. I can't, I can't do that. You know? And I would be lying if I said that had never been me. I would if I had ever been like, well shit. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. I can't be the only, all, you know. 
like we're all we're all we all there. came from the shit yeah. we all grew up in the same fucking patriarchy totally. you know yeah. so and but then hopper's because he's coming out of his shame with the realization that he has to be there specifically for the women in his life mm-hmm. you know that i you know my bad choices may have been led them into danger my mm-hmm. like i have to own up to my responsibilities you know mm-hmm. and that is like so there's a certain you know it's like they're they're between them they're showing the positive and negative you know aspects of masculine shame so to speak mm-hmm. you know um and i've definitely encountered both of those and it's so it, it it's it's a remarkable piece of writing i'll i'll just say that because you know these two guys i i bet you they have a really great writers room you know what i'm saying with with some women who are saying you've got to make sure that you get 11 just so you know uh-huh. and um because that's good stuff there and claire i think you wanted to say something and then oh i was just going to halt. inject that when i was thinking about this question um and going through all of the characters in my head i think the one that makes me potentially the saddest because I don't quite know if this theme is going to apply, but I suspect it will, um, pun intended, is Will. Mm-hmm. Because we don't know mm-hmm. we don't know where he's sitting and what reveal we're going to get about him this season, but I suspect that shame plays some part of it as well. And I that kind of just hit me really hard and the fact that will sits back so much it's so interesting that you know at the start of the series you would have thought will would be the central live as the central character in the show uh-huh. and he's not really ever been that he's off screen so much um and I, I don't know if I just, I think I have just this like extra little bit of like emotional attachment to him for that reason, because he feels, I recognize in him, like the person who's like in the corner of the playground or not, and, and is just not as entwined with other people as they would want to be, not as able to express themselves and have the freedom to, you know, connect with other people. And I just, I sense that in him so much. Um, I, I've noticed over the course of all these shows and stories that we've done over the course of Popsicle's lifespan, Claire, how you gravitate towards characters that you know need nurturing. Uh I'm remembering how much you loved Abel from, from Sandman. It's, (laughs) and it's a different thing, but yeah. He also is somebody who has trouble yeah. communicating and oh. is on the outside. And well, let's never forget Jeremy Davies on Hannibal. Oh Lord, yeah. Oh I mean, yeah. Claire was like, "Don't you dare!" No. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I worry about Will too, and I worry yeah. about it because it feels a lot like they're setting him up for a coming out story beat. Uh-huh. And they've already had a coming out story beat that went so overwhelmingly well, uh-huh. and you fear that they're not going to repeat. They're not going to repeat themselves. You uh-huh. know what I mean? So, like, yeah, I worry about Will too. I do. You know, yeah. and and it's inevitable. It's because of the era 
that you know we lived through to varying degrees mm-hmm. you know it feels like oh that's gonna be bad this is gonna be bad it could be bad you know well yeah and and i part of what i worry about for him is that even though i don't think we hear him express it as much and we don't hear him engage with his trauma you know he has a very similar um story as max does because time and time again people he loves have come to his rescue and so he can't help i'm sure feel but that he is the reason why people have been harmed and affected and um you know he and 11 share a lot in that regard i think yeah but he's not as articulate and i think you know I don't, I, I don't know that he's the not as articulate, which is why I'm dying to see the art that he made. Yeah. Oh, I know his expression. He's, you know, this is I'm finally a full expression. expression. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who's writing this episode of that episode was, but I want you to know they just got Lisa K. Weber's characterization spot on. That was a real, <laughs> you know, that was a real character moment there. <laughs> just watching, that's some good writing. <laughs> All right. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> Um, okay, so um, we kind of already touched on it in the barest way, but let's do it now because I, I forcefully tried to avoid this being spoiled for people, you know, earlier in the season through some of our cutting and pasting, but let's talk about the big revelation. Yeah. Let's talk about the fact that the orderly and Vecna and one are all the same person and they are the big bad of the season. <clears throat> My first question, seriously, when did you figure it out, if at all? The second I laid eyes on this dude. The minute that dude shows up, I was like, he's the bad guy. Well, I like I said earlier, I was I'll, I will admit that I did not catch on immediately. Like I said, very first time I saw him, first major reaction, he's a ghost. <laughs> he's a ghost. <laughs> but in like the very in like in that very first scene or one of the first scenes he and he, he's in, he mentions one to 11 mm-hmm. and I was like yeah. oh he's one like definitely yeah. he's one um and I knew that there was a tie-in to Vecna but I had no idea what it was I did not have any inkling about the Creel tie-in that he was the boy from the Creel story I had that I did not see coming and I was like holy god damn what a great reveal <laughs> I love it I love it so that was my journey with figuring it out. I did not get it all up front. Um, maybe one of the reasons why I did, and this is kind of, a, this is one of the <clears throat> only real hot takes that I had for this episode. Um, is anybody here familiar with the Care Bears movie? What is it with you and Bear movies? And I already think she knows what I'm going to say here. <laughs> Vecna is the kid that turns into the evil fucking magician in Care Bears. And the second that he like becomes one with the book, I'm like, did you guys literally take this whole sequence and just copy paste 
You know we're they fucking did. <laughs> we're never gonna get. Like, I'm saying oh we God. call the Duffer. I think we call the Duffer Brothers out right now. We go on Twitter and we freaking. <laughs> we, we throw this out there. The Vecna, re- the Vecna reveal, copy pasted from the Care Bears movie. Right. 100%. I didn't think that, but it's like as soon as you brought up the Care Bears movie, I was like, oh shit, of course. It's that guy. <laughs> it's the the kid. Hold on, I need to. I need to make this a little bit more professional. Let me find the, the name of this kid. We're I... never going to get any showrunners from Stranger Things if we accuse them of plagiarizing from the. <laughs> no, not plagiarizing. Not plagiarizing. No, no, not no, no. being we'll inspired. Be inspired, inspired by. It. By it. Okay. Yes. Inspiration yes. is great. Honestly, like. Okay, the kids. What is it Picasso said? Good artists borrow, great artists steal. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yes. Fucking go for it. And it wasn't, I mean, obviously it's not exactly, but. And they're not telling that story. They're not telling that story. Yeah, it's obviously a totally different story. Totally different. Those visuals (laughs) of him turning into Vecna and screaming and his hair is crazy. I'm like, this is totally. Care Bears movie. <laughs> this makes me want to see the. I'm 51 years old, I, and this is making me want to see the Care Bears movie. Okay, listen, the Care Bears movie is not terrible. I'm, I'm sure. Not. I was surprised. Like, so I was a kid when I watched you were it, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> but that the darkness of it really oh, like. I remember cool. as a kid being like, "Oh, this is like." surprisingly dark and i love it i feel like i've heard that before i've heard that you know that assessment of the film before it's really dark and it's awesome philip kelly Mm -hmm. who has been super quiet this episode so quiet come on phil when when did you you know when did when Uh, did you know about vecna and the orderly and one and little boy creel well i i thought little boy creel was weird that he didn't die that night that was always kind of a, a little seed in my head but the moment he they were talking about uh, one and he was like, one's not dead. I'm like, motherfucker, you're one and you're Vecna. Like I immediately thought that we were, we were seeing the, like the, um, the foundation and the creation of the villain story along with the kind of creation of the hero story as well, kind of in tandem. Um, and I think that's my years spent watching Akira kind of kicking in. Uh, sure. So. Interesting. Um, yeah. Because I was going to go straight to Claire, but I have to say, as someone who's watched Akira, you know, 111 times, mm-hmm. like I, because I'm like Lisa, I, I didn't catch it all. I mean, as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, he a bad guy. Like, you know, sure. they literally something, looked at his face and said, we need you for a bad guy, you know, <laughs> but I didn't think he was the bad guy. And I didn't yeah. think he was Vecna. Not right um, away. I didn't think so the minute we saw him, but it wasn't until they got to this, the, the conversation about one being alive or dead and stuff like that. I, that's when I. Kind well, of my wife together. said early on, she's like, oh, I think he's one. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, you're probably right. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I can't take credit for it. You know, mm-hmm. but we were, I was there early. Um, but nothing in my, you know, decades long love of Akira prepared me for that. Um, <laughs> Claire Thorne, when did you know? Well, like everyone else, the minute this orderly dude showed up and was just standing there, shining style, you know, in the room, I'm like, yeah there's something twisty here do Mm -hmm. not trust this guy at all no um and i think i connected pretty quickly that i felt that he was one he was um 
And when we were in the episode where they, the kids are in the haunted house and see, or when Nancy is uncovering that story and we see that initial flashback to the events in the past, I felt pretty strongly that <clears throat> someone in that family, either the son or the father were in some way directly related to and or were Vecna in somehow um i did not marry up the orderly dude with that story until the episode uh you know as like as it's happening it was that delightful like i probably like 60 seconds before Same it was yes. firm and said in the thing i'm like oh yeah okay i see yep yep i'm, I'm with you i've got it all i'm there um which I think it is might involve more holy shits, but yeah, that's excellent. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah, that's such excellent storytelling. It's I, really? I feel oh, like the real. story, the writers wow. like. I feel like I connected to it right when the writers wanted me to connect to it, and uh -huh. so well done. Um, but yeah, that that dude's shifty AF. Like he <laughs> he was not right. I did not like him talking to Eleven. I'm like, you need to go away and stop bugging our girl. You're right. I mean, like you're creepily right about, you know, Papa, but stop saying Papa. Everybody stop saying Papa. I, I, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with that in this show. No one call, needs to call him Papa anymore. I especially don't want to hear it come out of Eleven's mouth anymore. She's done with Papa. Get over it. Oh, goodness. Sorry. I, 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 I'm curious Ooh. as to how much of one is one the creation of one and how much one is a creation from uh brenner like how much if that goes hand in you mean hand his powers or uh, no his, his just his malicious persona, persona. like how like, like if we're they, talking about people that marley what's that get -go. <clears throat> yeah i feel like they in that because in that flashback it's like he killed his family yeah, oh yeah yeah he's torturing animals yeah yeah I mean, he was he was a budding serial killer. Sure, sure. You I, know, before, well, but, but how much? I, I wonder how much. I guess what I'm getting at is how helpful is Brenner in any situation. Uh, I, I I don't know if shock therapy or shocking someone into submission is necessarily a way to maybe help someone out of or or turn someone away from. Like I I don't know. Like I I'm no. just like. Like Brenner's I, I not necessarily handling every situation he's in, maybe in the best way possible, which well, is, I mean, as well, that, that's all I'm saying. That's all yeah. I'm saying. As, as Philip and Kelly Sue and I, and our guest, Joe Slepsky, which is, this is an ad inside of our episode here for a popsicle pop-up that we had about the boys. The fact that Brenner doesn't see like enhancing these kids who come to him with powers and not taking into consideration or taking into consideration and just not fucking caring who they are and what he might be enhancing, right? Like he's taking a kid he knows uh -huh. did something horrific and giving him untold powers, like, and just doesn't care. Does already have the powers? He used the kid to get. He used, he he used that kid to give powers. other people powers. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. see. 
Mm-hmm. But the still um, already had the power. He already had the power. just right. wanted yeah. to access them. Yeah. Right. So he didn't give that kid powers, but you are correct in that he doesn't give a shit about yeah. who any of these kids actually are. He's, as is also well established, he's a fucking psychopath. Like, yeah. he, right. He is single minded and he's like, I have this purpose. I'm going to build this. I'm going to build this like child army of telekinetics to commit assassinations for the government and I'll make a lot of money and like get some and I'll I'll have satisfied myself in what I've done in this life Mm -hmm. by unlocking this mystery or whatever I mean he has all of these kids call him papa Mm -hmm. that's fucked up (laughs) He doesn't oh, no. care Brenner about them. is he definitely them. Brenner definitely wanders into cheese dick territory. Oh, 100%. wanders. He, I'm beginning. I think to... he's wandered. I think he's wandered out of cheese dick territory yeah. in this episode. This definitely because he's a strange to... bedfellow, but he's a yeah. villain. He's straight up a villain. I'm starting to see Brenner in a different way. Um, cheese dick for sure. But also, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So you realize that this guy was a real liability and so you're like here's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna keep this guy real close to the chest but what he didn't understand is the power of the mind <laughs> which I, is how what's his name gets out of the way when it comes to brenner i'm never going to forget that he's the guy who had toby from this is us murdered in the first season and i'm never going to forget and also, I'm just saying, in addition to cattle prodding the fuck out of Vecna in this season, mm-hmm. he freaking tortures a kid. I mean, a mean kid, yeah. but he tortures a kid, okay? Yeah. This is not, he is not a good person. And the fact that they're working with him should not be an endorsement of him. And we need to, like, let go. He is pure D, grade A, aged for your consumption, <laughs> cheese dick big time yeah well, that's it's all i was saying about thing. oh that's, aged yeah, for your consumption saying. that's really oh. as disturbing as papa thank you very much justin for that you did it well yeah and he's the the epitome of narcissistic evil is a person who like kelly sue said doesn't understand the power of the mind so yeah of course that's his livelihood is fucking with the power of the mind right he has no clue what he's doing and no gives no shits about that lack of of knowledge or just doesn't see it right he's just completely and then blaming the best part was blaming 11 oh yeah yeah. what have you done bitch what have you done (laughs) seriously know about this guy get the fuck out of here with that business seriously look at his face come on i i have a feeling i I have a feeling part of that what have you done is going to be more directed at how could you possibly have opened up a channel into another world? What have you done? I, I have a feeling he's not even going to care about all the people that are dead and that have died, <laughs> but just like, look at the power that you have given in this instance, you oh, have literally well, opened up a portal. Yeah. Look what you've done. Oh my God. This is insane. Yeah. I'll have I, it. Clean up the shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It could and have then, simply and been then, a and then do it again done? and I show just me walked how you in did and it. don't know what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, it's interesting because we don't, 
like we're going to find out obviously what happens in the moments after leading up to him saying that and uh part of the whole thing that i i I take away from 11's journey and and what hopper's doing is the stories we tell ourselves as kids to wreck to fill in the blanks of something we don't understand very much creates the person the people who we become and the things we have to deal with as we get older we will have the same reaction to similar stories because of something that happened to us early on in life uh-huh. a story we tell ourselves that we don't have every side to so i think a part of what 11 stories touching on here and, and a part of what hopper is doing is reframing his story as he goes here uh-huh. you know it, it's i mean they're all having their stories reframed which it talks to what you guys were talking about earlier well, all of you were talking about earlier with finding your power you're you are filling in all the blanks that maybe you didn't have before uh and, and that's what gives you your power and that's what takes away yeah. the shame and that's what works you through a trauma because we're all told things and we all come to believe things that aren't necessarily well, true or factual it, to what happened in 11's case she's it's not even just filling in the blanks it's overwriting yeah the specific indoctrination that she has grown up with which is very much uh if something went wrong you are to blame for it because you were too weak you were too uh, you didn't you know do what i taught you to do you etc 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 it that's his Brenner's form of teaching is that kind of manipulation which i guess i don't need to say it again um in a discussion but you know so heavily mirrors religious indoctrination for kids oh 100 yeah mm-hmm. yeah Mm-hmm. You're on mute still. Oh, you're muted. Well, on that cheery note, I think it's time for us to go to a break. All right. We'll be right back with more joyful discussion of religious indoctrination, being <laughs> the epitome of narcissistic cheese dicks, and more wonderful thoughts. This episode of the Popsicle Podcast is brought to you this month by HunterBlackComics.com. Hunter Black is the best damn hard-boiled fantasy webcomic on the internet. Just ask series creators Justin Peniston and William Orr. If Tarantino, Tolkien, and Tartakovsky made a webcomic, it might be half the two-fisted tale of blood-soaked revenge that Hunter Black is. Maybe. There's a new page every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday and it's absolutely free. So what are you waiting for? Hunterblackcomics.com because you need a comic that'll kick your ass. Bravo. That That was a feeling. That sounded really good. I mean, I'm happy with that. Me too. If Justin isn't, then he can fuck himself. I hope you send him that in the recording (laughs) of that ad. I'm going to. I'm going to. I, I, I think so. I think so. We are back. Now, I sort of hinted at this once before earlier in this season, and Claire stopped speaking to me. Um, 
But I have to bring it back up. She's she's, she's, she's making the she's making she's the already face yeah, she, right her, now. her eyes are narrowing, her jaw is set. <laughs> um, but I'm not going to name names this time. Um, but you know we're we're approaching the end of a gap, you know, and volume two is a coming, you know, as as we record this, it'll be here end of the week. Um, and so does anyone have predictions, hopes, or fears for volume two? And I'm going to say my prediction slash fear. This is, you know, this is if if Stranger Things is all one big story, we are approaching the break from act two into act three. And usually that's when the shit is the worst in the story. And oh, in this yeah. story, that probably means somebody or bodies are going to die. Some of these characters are not going to make it to the end of Stranger Things. I'm convinced of that. Um, I'm not going to make predictions as to who, whom those characters are or should be. I know what I would do if I was writing, but um, that's neither here nor there. I swear to God, I think Claire is winding up her fist out of view of the camera. Um, She's I'm winding up her fist with Claire, but I do, but I do agree with the with the general sentiment in that I would be very pissed off with you if you wrote an episode where um, Steve gets killed off. I and we've already talked about this. I disagree that it needs to happen. Yeah. I do see an end for Eddie. Ah. I think, as much as I love Eddie. I really see this path for him. But Eddie is my, Eddie is my, he's inappropriately too young for me crush. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this, Kelly Sue, the character is too young for you. The actor is totally inappropriate. <laughs> he's like 30 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's pushing it. But I'd make an exception. Um, <laughs> I mean, this, I, this is I don't not... think it has to be Steve. I'm worried about Hopper. No. Mm. No, stop well, it. Already no, I just think they, already, they already killed Hopper. I don't think they're going to do that again. Yeah. We, but none of us, they revealed at the end of season three that Hopper was probably still alive. I mean, they didn't, we knew that he was probably still there. That wasn't really... Yeah. Killing him off. That's like saying real, we, that's like saying they killed death. eleven. None of, of us bought one. it. None of us bought it. But I just don't know yeah. that they would do. They would. They would kill someone that they've even like maybe killed in the past. <clears throat> I yeah, think that I'm, would make it a like, great feel... misdirect. Like for the reason that you're thinking that makes him a great choice. Mm -hmm. But also, father figures die in these stories. Obi Wan, Dumbledore, even Gandalf. You know, although he came back, um, like is a stretch. It is a you know, it is. <laughs> it, is a, uh, it is a but killing off the father figure is a coming of age, you know, sort of thing in these stories. No, and that I also like, means I, I see what you're saying, and I'm I wonder if Joyce is on the table. I was just gonna say I would buy I would buy Joyce over. I don't feel like they've set up her story arc. Like I'm sorry, spending, spending an entire season being silly on a plane doesn't build no, to the yeah, most dramatic. Of, 
not in this but i could see the series culminating in joyce sacrificing herself oh wait so you guys are talking about who's gonna die in these next these upcoming volume two yeah the next couple episodes like i've been hearing whispers it's not like i've dove i haven't dove into any of these articles but i feel like there are whispers on the internet that even the duffers are like yeah, not everyone is going to make it to the end of this season. Yes, um, I've also yeah. heard those whispers. So, um, I refuse to click the links. Yeah, same. Um, Jonathan? So, yeah, probably. I mean, it would, sure. Because Jonathan doesn't really do much. In this season, yeah. yeah. Especially this season, he hasn't I, done much. I don't feel like they would make the mistake of killing off somebody who doesn't feel like they matter no yeah i know yeah. that's why and jonathan they, does not they're feel gonna, like he matters they're right gonna now. go yeah. for the jugular that yeah. if you're gonna kill off a character it's got to be a darling nancy um, nancy is nancy is possible she's possible yeah i mean she's i know that we end this episode with her very much in peril mm-hmm. um but you know for anybody who saw even snippets of the trailer for the next two episodes it's Haven't like yet everyone's there with her and mm-hmm. like, obviously she's not gonna she's gonna be okay in this moment anyway yeah um, i'm gonna hold justin responsible though regardless of who it is i think <laughs> and that's just gonna be my way of dealing with everybody drama. yeah everyone that's like it's Whatever. steve i'm like don't even talk don't, don't say that don't write it don't talk don't, don't i don't like don't it. put that on me okay Seriously. yeah as, as yeah. a writer as a writer of things all I know is I want, if I'm going to do something like that. You have no heart. That's what I you want it. Well, I, but I want it to affect the audience. I, I yeah. maybe the finest moment of my writing career was I killed off one of my characters on Under Black. Hmm. And when it happened, like I, we got comments and it, I mean, literally they just said dick move not cool like you know that that you know people were really affected by it you know what i mean and like it was a popular character that people liked and and then when i had i sort of played with bringing that character back and didn't i got another bevy of <laughs> dick move not cool oh. like you know and that means your audience is invested you know what i mean and it felt good and if i had killed somebody that wasn't beloved it wouldn't no, have know. carried the same weight. You no, know? Yeah, can, I have, I, I can I get it's the like, contact? If you're going to do it, it has to be like that. However, and I'm not saying you did this with Hunter Black. I know how you feel about story and how you feel about good story. And I know you would only do it in service of the story. <laughs> but I worry about it being used to manipulate viewers' emotions in a way that doesn't necessarily serve the story. That's, all. That's always Maybe. a worry. But I... I think they're smart enough that if they're going to kill someone, they've proven themselves yeah. to be smart enough that if someone's going to die, it's going to be in service to the story. And if I, if I had my guess today as to one of the potential characters that's going to die based on the story arc they've had this season and the things they're dealing with, I would say Mike. I would say Damn Mike it, is going to step. Wow. Mike's going to. Mike's going to step up. Mike's going to step up for eleven. His whole story's been about. What he should be to Eleven and what he needs to be to someone. They're they're building something up between Will and Mike as well. That's deeper and more connected. Mike's having a sort of turning. Come, this is a big turning point for Mike. I don't know where else you take Mike in the next season. I don't know. Like oh wow. Like I I I, that, I, I do, but okay. But I I feel like I feel no, like what. I mean- <laughs> 
I mean, it's, is, no, I just mean I, I have, I have, totally, I have I a, a totally place to take fair it. That's point. All. Justin has a pitch for the Duffers for season five. If they're <laughs> so if you, if Duffer, Duffer Brothers, if you've killed I, Mike off in the season, talk to Justin. He might have a way miss out. out on Justin's incredible arc for Mike next season. But um, I, I <laughs> like that. It's, I like your answer um, just because it's one that we hadn't thought of. It's, you know, it, 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 make, it makes sense emotionally and story-wise that it, yeah. it could, it could be Mike. All of this mirrors for me what the MCU accomplished by the time we got into Infinity War and Endgame, where going into those movies, I honestly had to admit that on the chopping block, because their stories had brought them there, were a large number of characters, right? <laughs> like and, uh, uh, almost everyone in our core group um, can yeah, there's going to be an emotional story-driven payoff potentially in that regard. And it makes me very nervous because, you know, having to, to deal for, you know, two whole years in which I was really, really worried that they were going to kill off Thor, you know, it's difficult. And Justin, you know, adding fuel to that, that anxiety is, you know, Justin, what I need is the contact information for all the people who are, who are dick moving, he gave you dick move, um, you know, messages <laughs> about Hunter Black, because I just need to like form the, the Justin Peniston slash. You need to organize you know, them. Yeah. I need to organize them and, <laughs> and have, and be, yeah, just kidding. Um, I, I do want to say, I want to, oh, sorry, really briefly. Go, I just think that whoever <laughs> the end of an important arc in this I think that Dustin has had a very particular arc about overconfidence and ego and trusting himself too much and not really paying attention to consequences. Like he is so confident mm -hmm. and I feel like someone dying as a result of maybe a miscalculation on his part is <laughs> Dusty's going to get someone killed. <laughs> maybe. I was maybe. like, Oh my and, gosh. And Claire that's why I thought it was going to be like Steve. straight up like the ring you right now. She's going to like reach through the screen. It doesn't have to be Steve though. Right now. It doesn't have to be Steve. It could be um, Lucas. It could be, you know. This is what I think. It's going to be Mike. And then the trauma from that is going to turn Will into the mind flare. <laughs> I, you know what? If, if they say really quickly oh i think your writer's room for about, season five is right here dude we're talking a Duffers. lot about deaths and i just want to move away from character deaths for one minute if i can yeah uh -huh. because like this question was like a general like what are your hopes and fears not yes. who do you think is going to die um so <laughs> that is also just, my hope i just yeah. want to say that i um when with the reveal that like when the teenagers are all in the upside down and the reveal is that everything is as it was when Will got years ago. sucked in a few years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been like just stuck like that ever since. So it's not this constantly existing and evolving place, but it like came to be in this specific moment has so many implications given like what was revealed between Eleven and Vecna that I'm like, did Eleven straight up make the upside down when she sent Vecna 
like away. And I'm just like, so is she like the creator of this entire world? And I'm just like the implications of everything of that moment of that reveal that everything is as it was when Will got put it, when Will got sucked in is like, I can't wait to like experience what the larger story behind all of that is. Totally. Don't have a specific prediction. I just can't wait to experience. So you just want to see Eleven walking around as a god among men. Jace. God of the upside down. I, I, well, I mean, when we see the upside down, when he gets tossed in there and basically becomes back that it's just molten lava, the entire uh-huh. mountains and lava is everywhere. And yeah, I yeah. mean, it, it doesn't have anything to reflect or base itself on until will is, is, is taken in, which, yeah. I do have a prediction. That's not a character death. Ooh. And I don't, I hope it is revealed at the end of volume two. Um, maybe it would happen in the next season, but my my prediction slash hope, because they've leaned so hard on D and D villains, and because kind of weirdly they've given um, Vecna this weird spider fixation that doesn't really pay off in any way, mm-hmm. and to torment me. One of them. <laughs> there's that. Yes, but maybe one of the two biggest villains in classic D&D history is Lolth, queen of the demon web pits. And she is half dark elf, half spider goddess. Uh And I think that Lolth might be the big bad that ultimately gets revealed. And I think there's something to this fact that, you know, Eleven is, you know, the representative of heroic power in this show and they might have a, a feminine representative of, of villainous power as well and i think lolth would be the choice the other choice would be tiamat who's also a female but tiamat doesn't fit the vibe the way lolth does and so i think they're teasing lolth is gonna be i love that like it's not like i i wasn't familiar with these characters before you brought them up and you did it like a few episodes ago you talked mm-hmm. about the lol thing when you first saw the spiders you were like oh is that gonna be the bad guy this season and ever since you brought it up i've been thinking the same thing i'm like i wonder if this is a setup for that character to come in that would be cool i want to see that I would love that i know claire doesn't but i want yeah it's just <laughs> really <laughs> trying to to yeah make this a like specifically like let's see what will traumatize claire the most there is a way that you're my intended audience claire yes that's true <laughs> Lisa, did you just look up pictures of lolf on the internet She's uh-huh. yeah, i figured from your facial expression that that's what she did Lolf is awesome it's very it's giving i mean obviously this predates this character but it's giving me very the stock vibes Ooh, but even scarier. Yeah. Uh-huh. I've I haven't looked at pictures, but when when Justin first mentioned this character, I immediately thought of the stock as well. For our audience who might not know, the stock is from Saga. Saga, yeah. Comic mm-hmm. series. And I actually mm-hmm. like stock. I thought, yeah. Yeah. But no, the the little I am done with having all of the little spiders coming out of everything. I, I don't need that anymore. So if I don't if, think if, I'm done yet. If the big reveal, like means that (laughs) there are less of those or they're just like not you know 
feel or like they're coming out of my one television. Big one that's, that's a lady. It's a little bit better. Yeah. Bring it on. Anyway, I my hope for the end of this volume is that they do not do some kind of like romantic betrayal trope about Nancy and Steve and mm-hmm. Jonathan. Like I want yeah. that. I want this. I like I I think it's very understandable that she and Steve are reconnecting and that there are latent romantic feelings there. And I think that's fine, but I want it to be dealt with in a very different way than your average. Well, it just scares me because I think that that is the thing with Steve and Nancy is what makes me scared that it's going to be Steve or Nancy. Mm. well yeah no I I agree with the setup of that sort of like of them being like oh maybe I love you no you don't you're dead you know you know what I mean (laughs) reasons that I am always like as we're so in love no you're not no No, you're not Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna fall back on it that will that painting will is not gonna be able to show that painting to him it'll be too late I think that's gonna be the most tragic heartbreaking fucking die. thing yeah, it's that could you know possibly right. happen in the that's show. That's it. I've had it. I, I don't think he's going to change. That's my, change. That's my uh, yeah. I think that painting is going to be tragic. I, uh, I definitely don't want them to go all CW with it, with a betrayal. Yeah, I don't, I yeah. don't mind them exploring, you know, romantic entanglements on the show. I don't mind mm. that at all. You know, I mean, that's part of growing up and this is a show about growing up. Um, but yeah, I don't want them to get, I, I don't want our heroes to betray one another. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think that'll happen. No. Yeah. I, uh, I am upset by all of these possibilities. Yeah, um, no, the, every possibility is upsetting. I think, I think I just caused all. Kelly Sue to, to stress eat. The I think level, she's stress eating right yeah. now. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> Kelly Sue. I apologize. The, the degree to which I am upset with both Philip and Justin now, to be fair, is the degree to which I am worried that all of these things are, yes, very... Well, you, you could probably find a, a pretty close to dramatic means for anybody to not survive. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, like we could go down the list, which would not, I mean, we, we're not going to do that, obviously. But we could go down the list and be like, look, story-wise, this could happen to this character that would be bad. It could happen to this character that would be bad. This character that would be bad. And that's the part of loving characters is this, this show has given us so many characters to love and to be on board with even when they're not really being like given, like, you know, Jonathan isn't really being given the best storyline, but we still care about that character because he's still, he and Nancy still have a history of great storylines from previous yeah. seasons. We don't want anything bad to happen to Jonathan. he still consistently steps up and yeah. does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like he's amazing in the, you know, crisis moment. Yeah, yeah. Moment. So, I mean. You know who's not going to die? Argyle. That's Argyle. what I was going to say. Sinclair. <laughs> absolutely oh, not. Yeah, no. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. No. not. He just will refuse to. She yeah. might and end Argyle. up being revealed as Loth, but she's yeah. not, exactly. not going to die. <laughs> oh, man. And then she'll battle Will as the mind player. Listen, you guys, my season five of Stranger Things is really coming along. Yeah. I like, I like where this is going. Anyway. Okay, so... Enough about all that. Let's get to our hot takes for this episode. And I had a few. And since uh, since she was just brought up, I'm just going to say my hot first hot take, it takes real presence to convey power while sipping from a jukebox, from a juice box. But Priya Ferguson as Erica Sinclair does it. You go, girl. Mm-hmm. Um, 
ma'am. I want to say, say, huh? Go ahead. Oh, said, God damn it. I love her. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If you don't love her, you don't love ACDC. And if you don't (laughs) love ACDC, what do you love? Um, (laughs) The actor playing Officer Callahan is really making the most of his screen time. He's a douchebaggy. He is a delicious, delicious ham. Yeah. And I think that's exactly the right choice for the character. And I think he is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I I want to slap him in the face all the time. So assuming that's what they're going for, they're being very Uh, successful. Yeah. Um, Hot take. I'm just saying, Murray tried piloting a plane, flipping switches with more (laughs) reckless abandon than he used when trying to open the door to save Hopper's ass. I'm just saying. Uh, Maybe Um, maybe he has a latent crush on uh, on Joyce. Joyce. Maybe he's like, maybe maybe Hopper won't make it out of this one alive. Maybe he just showed up at her house (laughs) on the other side of the country. (laughs) Um, I don't think Murray, well, yeah, okay. Force her heart. Speaking of Hopper, when he steps out of the arena and out of that little antechamber uh-huh. and he's getting allowed into the prison proper, he is in this, I'm going to fuck somebody up pose. Like he's ready to fight. Uh-huh. It was a small thing. It was a really brief little character moment. But for me, that was the moment that I was like, Hopper's back. He's yeah. not, you know, he's not whining in the corner anymore. He is ready. This is the guy who fucks people behind the bar, fucks people up behind the bar. And I'm glad he's back. And I loved that. Um, Kelly Sue and I both have our heads cocked. Like, yes, you're uh, both like doing emotional, like like they're motionless, but their hearts are shimmying. Well, it's not only that, but the my only other hot take for this episode is the way he transforms from ready to fight and into the man who receives Joyce. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a remarkable moment. Yeah, that yeah. Was, it was great, gorgeous, yeah. and his the whole thing, whole physical, yeah, his whole all yeah. the work he did in that yeah. moment was just also was pretty remarkable. They shaved his head, and I don't have to be upset about his general haircut and look <laughs> now. So oh, that's good. I will say yeah. that moment sort of made me wish that Joyce's story had been a little less silly over the course of the, mm-hmm. you know, because I would have loved for it to be the same a powerful emotional payoff for her character as well in the same way, but it was really great for Hopper. Yeah. And my last hot take, am I the only one bothered by the fact that when you're in the upside down, there are no other houses around the Wheeler house? Like, and and I'm wondering if this is a thing because it seems like only significant locations actually exist in the upside down. Yeah. To to Will. I'm curious about that. Yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, it could be that like anytime someone is pulled in that creates a space because they talk mm-hmm. about, okay, so there's, there are these, um, you know, doorways, tears, yeah, tears. doorways, these gates between gates, yeah. the upside down and, you know, the real world. And, um, so it could just be that anytime one of those is created, that's that be, that entire place is built. Right. And so where, did but the gate's not in the Wheeler house. They have to they have to travel to the Wheeler house. But no, I know, but I'm like, did someone did someone get taken from the Wheeler house at some point or no? Where did Barbara mm. die in the first season? The pool. That was, was Barbara, that at, at, uh, at Steve's house. At Steve's, Steve's house, house, right? So I, I imagine Steve's house. I think anybody that gets pulled into the upside down, maybe 
then something's created based on their memory, what's important to them. Yeah, is sort of mirrored. Vecna's existence yeah. would create Maybe. that house in the except you know, he's not going to create anything else. As Lisa himself. reminded us, the upside down exists kind of frozen in the moment when Will was taken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Steve's yeah. house would not have been important to Will. Can right? I ask a question? I mean, because although I Mike's house would have been. I felt like Nancy was specific to the idea that her house was stuck in that moment, but not necessarily mm. the rest of the upside down. I'd have to go back and watch that scene again. I, I definitely thought it was the whole of the upside down. I'm not I saying thought, you're wrong. I'm I just saying that was, that was my takeaway. referred away. to it as um, her house, hmm. but I don't. I might go back and look at that too, because that's an interesting thought. Maybe it's specific to Nancy being there and Vecna starting to interact with her, which the whole pool, Barbara flashback scene was, oh, just- and Maybe oh it's different God. for different people. Like, because people have a certain trauma <laughs> involved in being there, you know? So maybe for Nancy, it's, you know, frozen in the time when Barbara was taken. Mm-hmm. but maybe it would be different for somebody else maybe. you know the only yeah. people with her in that room at that moment really were robin and eddie and they don't have a trauma connected to the upside down well eddie does a little bit now eddie does yeah yeah mm-hmm. he saw the you know the cheerleader right. like right. uh, what's You're her right. name mm-hmm. uh, straight up yeah that's, yeah, that's, that's trauma right. that's pretty You're right. trauma You're right. You're right. You're right. you can't right. ignore that right. i only want right. to add my theory is officially debunked well, really I, mean, I mean I all our theories are a little sketchy i think i that's all these are that's all like i mean that's why i was like yeah. i'm excited for the reveal of what all of this kind of means mm-hmm. but i also i only want to add one hot take because we didn't talk about it and i really appreciated the magical light bright communicator mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah it was so that good was i, I love like that the sparkles yeah. and the i mean that come on whole that sequence. was beautiful and i really appreciated it and i just want to say that yeah. it was perfectly stranger things because using the night yeah. was so nostalgic yeah. it amazing. and it was uh-huh. it was amazing. smart and cool their, their excitement over their own excitement over using it is yeah. what sells yeah. it as well i, well, my, I mean, that's how it was with light bright yeah. right? i fucking loved my light bright i'm telling you what so i wish i could buy one today my, probably can. yeah you probably can my um my one hot take is the sequence leading up to the light bright scene when Dusty is talking with Lucas and um, um, Erica. Erica, uh, mm-hmm. and and they're they're moving the scene through the house as people come and go. Uh, was just amazing staging uh, mm-hmm. from a filmmaking standpoint to kind of essentially what is exposition to make that visually exciting. Like I mean, it is like you know what I mean. They could just have the characters stand there and talk about it. A walk and talk. Yeah, right. <laughs> exposition. It's called um, exposition. <laughs> But I, it's the way it's, they, the interesting thing is when the way you said exposition yeah. made me think that word meant where is my former wife right now? <laughs> what is her position? What is what is the my exposition? My exposition. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Uh, that's very funny. Uh, anyway, I just I liked yeah. the way that sequence was constructed. It shows mm-hmm. uh, it, it shows a care for how they tell the story visually, not just that the tor- story is being told. Um, totally. Yeah, anyway, agreed. I think my last hot take is it wasn't until Nancy falls into her Vecna vision and we're in the pool um, that I really was like, wow, I never got over Barb. 
Mm. Yeah. I didn't, I'm not over it. In the moment, again, I was Many like- Many people are not. You mother fuckers. <laughs> not Barb. Uh, actually, in relation to that statement, I like what a petty little bitch Vecna is for being like, oh, Nancy, you got so close. Here's the rest of the story. Yeah. Like, he has no reason to bring her there except to like- And he's like, like I remember everyone. I've killed. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, he's like talk about like Hannibal oh style peacocking <laughs> bitchiness yeah. there in that, that whole sequence. I know, right? What a Crazy. what a drama king. Is yeah. Vecna the Crazy. new like mascot for Pride? <laughs> <laughs> Taking over for the Babadook. <laughs> <laughs> oh Look at what I have done. Hmm. I'm more clever than all of you. I mean, yeah. let's talk about it. The drama, the pageantry. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. It's a performance. It is. Oh, he yes. totally performs for Nancy. It's in that a moment. commitment to an aesthetic. Yeah. Oh, he performs for everybody. He, he really and does. And then he's like, how dare you come into my house? <laughs> <laughs> well, he has no reason to bring Nancy there except to perform for her. She's and not, she's not feeling guilty very, about anything. Very Catherine Hepburn, Philadelphia story. I love it. I love it. <laughs> love it. Love it. Nice. There we go. Vecna is played by Catherine Hepburn. Okay. So um, this brings me to a question for all of you. Philip Kelly. Boy. That episode was? Uh, Gargantuan. Massive, I guess. Claire Thorne, if you're speaking to me. That episode was? I, uh, I is that a think... word? Oh. <laughs> yes. oh, I think that's so sufficient. There we yes. go. Oh. I just have noises at this point. <laughs> I don't. Uh. <laughs> worrying, worrying. <laughs> Kelly Sue, that episode was drama. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa K. Weber, that episode was. A real face melter. And I will say that episode was awesome. Yeah. Straight mm-hmm. up awesome. Yeah. Word. And uh, we're almost at the end. But before we go, if you liked the massacre at Hawkins Lab, if you like Stranger Things, if you like ACDC, Kelly Sue <laughs> might have something for you. I do. Um, I have been wanting to recommend this for so long. And this was finally something where I was like, I actually really believe people who liked this episode would like this movie. <laughs> okay. So How many bears are there in it though? Before we... <laughs> None. None? Okay. <laughs> Is it really a Kelly Sue recommendation? Depending <laughs> on your definition of a bear. Oh, nice. Oh, oh nice. <laughs> No. Okay, so this is a movie called A Dark Song. Um, I believe it's a Netflix original, and it is this incredible psychological horror that feels very much kind of like, it's got like a folklore vibe, and it's about a woman who loses her son tragically and pays an occultist, a real like modern occultist, 
to perform a ritual with her so that she can see her son again. And so she sells all of her things and she buys this house out in the middle of nowhere and they meet and they perform this ritual over a handful of days. And she's met by all manner of ghosts and monsters and dark sides of herself. Wow. And it, the whole thing just totally unravels. And the ending is so gorgeous. It will just blow your mind. It's an amazing movie. It's got 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, the audience percentage is like 60, but I'm just like, well, that's because you have to be smart to yeah. like this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that came out much more harsh than I intended it to, but you know, <laughs> um, it's just, it really is just a phenomenal movie. So, um, highly, highly recommend, especially if you like this episode, cause it's got a lot of similar, um, imagery. Well, you just definitely put this on my list. It is mm -hmm. not a Netflix movie. Oh. It is available on Amazon Prime. Got it. Thank you. Mm. Sorry for what I said about it being a Netflix original. <laughs> no, I just Shame. Shame. Everybody's like, Netflix Kelly Sue. everything Kelly Sue. What have you done? <laughs> oh, I've dishonored the name of a dark song. <laughs> I definitely want to, I definitely want to check that out. That sounds interesting. And it's, I just really Googled that as soon as you, and yeah, that definitely seems like an up my alley recommendation. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. And you're going to say an up my alley is beautiful. Music is really incredible. Okay, folks. So the next time you hear Popsicle, and listen, we have a pop-up between then and now, just saying. Uh, but next time you hear Popsicle, we will be talking about chapters eight and nine of the fourth season of Stranger Things. Until then, uh, you can follow us on the social medias at PopsiclePod. You can come to our website, uh, PopsiclePod.com. That's P-O-P-S-K-L-P-O-D. Uh, you can follow us. You can like us. You can send us comments, questions. You can, you know, send a old... Uh, not cool dick move my way for trying to kill off Steve Harrington. Um, Amen. <laughs> Sorry. But for now. This has been a Popsicle Podcast production.